Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Today, we have Jake Jorgovan, who is the founder of Outbound Creative. And we're going to be talking about how he helps agencies grow and scale, how he's building his company. And we're actually going to kick it off by talking about how, very recently, uh, Jake almost got evicted from his apartment. And kind of the the downsides, the the real downsides of business and entrepreneurship and these ups and downs that we always experience. And maybe a lot of people don't shine a light on them, but I think it's important that we do. So before we get to that story, Jake, thank you for being on In the Trenches with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me on here, Tom. Yeah. So tell me about the story. I mean, we talked about it very briefly offline, but I wanted to save, obviously, the meat and potatoes for this. So what happened? How'd you get into this predicament and, and how did it pan out? Yeah, so uh, I'd say this is actually about two and a half years ago now. So, um, you know, in the entrepreneurial world, I know I've been self-employed or, you know, running my own businesses for quite a few years now. And um, we were living out in Colorado at the time. The first mistake was probably that we bought or we rented an apartment far more expensive than we should have because I was making a good amount of money at the time we rented. And then I hit this point um, a few years ago, I was, you know, I, I ran an agency for several years. I left that agency, decided to go remote and start traveling. And at that point, I got into kind of web design, digital marketing, doing stuff in that field. And then I hit this period where I was like, I don't want to, I don't really want to actually be doing the digital marketing or the web design. And I started trying to transition. And, you know, where I'm at now is I'm actually doing lots of consulting um, and running these dream client campaigns for these other agencies. And there was this whole little limbo of like, I want to get out of web design, digital marketing and get to something else. Basically, when I first started making that transition, I just failed horribly. And uh, I started trying to go to this kind of what I was calling myself as a freelance marketing director at the time. And I wasn't focused at all. And I um, basically had like a SaaS client, an e-commerce client, uh, and then like two agencies signed on as clients. And Basically, in one month, they all fired me, and I had no pipeline in the works despite being a marketing director is what I was calling myself, and um, pretty much got down to the wire, had not enough savings because we were just being stupid with finances at the time, and yeah, got to the point where we were, I think, 22 days late on rent and were getting uh, attorney notices, so it was pretty terrible. But eventually, that led to me coming through, bouncing back, getting to where the new business that I have now um, and literally built that all up, um, which kind of came out of that pressure that came from that horrible situation. How did you, like, once you got through that, like, I'm curious if there were things, if there's things you're doing different now than you were before and what those are. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I would say was just consistently staying focused on marketing myself all the time was one thing and just consistently making sure that there's always something in the works. And at the time, and I, and I would say, you know, as an entrepreneur, you, like I've always have all these like other ideas or these other businesses that I want to build or run. 
but I would always get distracted by those and I'd be chasing one thing and then I'd be chasing the next thing and I never really execute many of them or many of them were crappy ideas and I probably shouldn't have chased them anyway. But I, I was just constantly all over the place and that led to me not focusing always on the things that was actually going to pay the bills and just making sure that I have that safe baseline. Um, so these days I, you know, I'm very much have a safe baseline with consulting and I'm very much a lot more calculated with any new businesses or ventures that I, you know, I'm launching or I'm attempting to launch and just always make sure that I'm just try to be a lot more conscious, uh, and just mindful of everything that I'm doing and just where I'm at and, you know, what the potential risk is in the pipeline or what could happen in a few months if I, you know, if everything dried up. So just try to be a lot more conscious and aware. That's awesome. Is there anything else? Like you mentioned this, you said constantly marketing myself. I think that's a challenge actually probably for a lot of people. I know for me, I mean, I'm still trying to get over that and say like, nope, it's okay. I, maybe I can be more self-aggrandizing. I can maybe talk more about myself because at the end of the day, that's you kind of have to. And I, I hate it actually. Like I hate talking about myself, but I, I know it's a means to an end. And so tell me a little bit about how you do that. Like what does consistently marketing yourself mean to you and, and how, how do you implement that? Yeah, so I actually eventually put together this system and the simple thing and where anyone should start is pretty much just dedicating at least 30 to 60 minutes a day minimum to working on putting yourself out there. If you're doing anything where people are, you know, paying you money or, you know, you need to be putting your brand or your own business out there to get clients or customers or anything like you need to spend that time marketing yourself. So that was the first thing of just making that the first thing I do every morning. The way that I've done it, because it's also really easy, though, still to get scattered and I've run into a lot of people that I work with as clients where they're like they've got like, you know, six projects started and nothing's ever launched or done. And so what I do is I follow a simple thing where I basically at any given point, I'm doing two ongoing tactics. So things that might be something that I'm doing month in, month out, like this podcasting or whether that's guest blogging or, you know, figuring out what tactic is something that I could just be doing for a long period of time if it keeps working. And then I always try to just tackle one project at a time. So maybe I'm going to write this, you know, book or maybe I'm going to uh, relaunch my website or, you know, recently I migrated my website over to Drip. You know, so that's like a big project or a big hurdle and everything. So uh, that's kind of how I look at it. So I have those ongoing tactics and then like the one big project at a time. What's worked well for you, like in the past year or two, like what's been the most effective that you've seen like, oh yeah, I'm definitely getting a clear ROI from this activity, whatever it is. Uh, podcasting has been the number one thing for me that I've found has grown. And uh, I put this whole um, blog on my website called just uh, growing, I think it was like po podcasting to grow your network or growing your business through podcast networking. But what I was getting at with it is that with the podcast, it's not just about the audience which is where almost everyone I suggest a podcast to is like, oh, I got to get an audience and all that, which is great. And I do have an audience and I love that. But the amazing thing is that just when you start podcasting, you start interviewing and engaging with all these people, you make so many strategic partners, you meet so many other influencers, you get opportunities for exposure on other people's podcasts or webinars or events or anything like that. So it's almost like this way to basically build yourself up um, and build an, it's almost like systematized networking in a way is the way I look at a lot of it with podcasting. And um, there's just so many benefits to it. And I found that over 60% of my client base from last year came purely from podcasting in some way, shape or form. That's interesting. Is there anything you're doing in particular with your podcast that's like helping you generate leads or move people even from the podcast to like reaching out to you? 
Yeah. So um, with a lot of the podcasts, there's a handful, you know, and not every guest is like this. And I, I really do try to bring guests that are going to bring value and that I'm going to learn from. But I, I would say a big part of it is that with the podcasts, I do have some where I line up strategic partnerships with someone where I say, hey, you know, you have an audience that's ideally a lot of my similar clients. If we do something together, I'll give you a commission off of any revenue or any clients that I end up getting through that. Um, and so that's something that I've lined up with a handful of people. And literally, you know, it's I can point to about three or four people that I met through my podcasting that have now just been these huge ongoing sources of work. So it's not every single person, but those few really high value connections made it all worthwhile. That's awesome. So with Outbound Creative, when when you talk about kind of, you know, being a driver for your business, the podcast, these people are driven to Outbound Creative, right? Is that, is that do I understand that conceptually? Yeah. So Outbound Creative is um, has grown basically into primarily my consultancy. Uh, I had a point where I was trying to scale that into something bigger and ultimately realized it wasn't uh, an ideal business that I wanted to scale or grow or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I've actually moved on to some other ventures. But um, with Outbound Creative, I do a lot of consulting with agencies and consulting companies to basically help them uh, win more clients and figure out how to actually build strategies to grow their business. And then uh, with some bigger agencies, I actually run these really eye-catching eye physical like outreach campaigns. So literally sending cakes to the VP of marketing at Budweiser and stuff like that to try to get meetings and doing really fun, crazy stuff like that is what I do on some of the, the higher-end consulting clients. So when you do something like this, just to kind of get into the, the weeds on that a little bit, like that sounds really fascinating, pretty interesting. Like how do you come up with the ideas on something like that? Like, where do you come up with the idea to say, oh, let's send a cake or something like that? You know, what's your, dis- I guess, your discovery process or approach to, th- to that kind of marketing? Yeah, so it's, uh, I, I try to let the creativity run with that one. And so I, I'm a very big fan of mind mapping and just getting a piece of paper, you know, drawing the circle in the middle and then just start drawing little lines and circles all off of that. So I've used that exercise for a very long time. And so whenever I have a client and we're trying to figure that out, you know, I start to try to just write, okay, who is it that we're trying to target? And um, then I start writing out, okay, like what's the objectives of this campaign? Or like, was there anything about the company, the client I'm representing that's unique? And what I do is whenever I'm trying to solve the problem or figuring out the fun, creative way that we're going to reach out, I start looking at it from different angles. So I start looking, okay, what else is going to get the attention of this person? And I start kind of asking that question for a while um, or I start asking like, okay, what would really show this personality of this agency or their unique value proposition in some sort of eye catching visual way? So I almost try to keep asking myself different questions around the problem and asking that in a different way to kind of keep brainstorming new ideas until I come up with something that I think is going to be a good fit. And then when you do this kind of stuff with clients, like, I'm just curious how collaborative that is in nature because especially doing something like that, you know, sending a cake or something like that, like do you typically when you work with clients have to, do you do like a sign off or approval process and are they usually pretty open to those ideas? Yeah. So it typically starts with a brainstorming um, document, you know, where I start off learning everything I can from them, learning all about their business, who they're targeting. And then uh, I basically in that process put together this whole entire brainstorming saying, you know, here's all of my, you know, ridiculous ideas on things we could do. You know, I've had the one of the crazy ideas that we've yet to have anyone sign off on, but I really want to deliver puppies 
to a business and like show up in a puppy gram outfit and use that as a way to get into a big company and just like walk into a meeting basically with a puppy. But, you know, can't get all of them approved, but I just, you know, throw out a ton of ideas and <laughs> let them kind of pick whatever's the best fit for them. So. And then do you tip, I'm, I'm super curious about this because I don't know, I just think it's fascinating. Like with something like that, then if they were like, that's actually, let's do it. It's a crazy idea, but we're going to go with it. Do they then like, how do you typically work it? It's like, okay, now we let's, let's budget for this kind of thing. And that comes out of their pocket. Like, how does that work from, from a perspective when you do this kind of consulting? Yeah. So it's um, basically, I start off all of all my clients doing an initial discovery and planning mm -hmm. project. Yep. So um, I make sure to define the scope of that first and we throw all the ideas out there and we basically walk away with that with the end with a plan of saying, this is what we're going to do. And also mm -hmm. here's, you know, cause they can look at different ones and we can say, okay, yep. you know, we can do these cakes for a hundred dollars each or something, or if we're going to get puppies, that's going to get a little crazy. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, and so we kind of custom spec it based after the discovery project. Is that usually a paid discovery process? Yep. I always do a paid discovery process and it's uh, one of the best things I've ever done for my business. So. All right. So I'm going to selfishly ask some questions because I'm trying to implement this exact thing right now. What, what's, your, what's your secret sauce to getting paid discovery uh, or paid road mapping sessions? Ah, I love this. Okay. So the biggest problem that I think most people make with selling a discovery thing uh -huh. is that they just start trying to sell like them basically getting to make a quote or they like only just focus it around this one core deliverable or thing that they're doing. And so it's like a lot of times discovery doesn't make sense for the client. Like you got to look at it in the client size and not just, oh, well, I want to get paid before I go into this full thing. And like you got to make it a benefit to them as well. And so early when I was selling discovery, I was just like, oh, I'm going to do your outbound planning. And that we're basically going to plan this campaign which was good for me because I got paid to do this campaign, but it, I got tons of resistance because people would basically say, oh, well, what if we don't want to do it or if it ends up being too expensive or we're just not sure. And so I got all this resistance from selling that because I was just basically selling my like planning part of the project. What actually worked really well for me is I switched to this process that I call, which is a sales teardown and a strategy blueprint. And so what I do is I basically holistically look at their business and I say, we're going to do a 90 minute call. I'm going to ask you a ton of questions, learn everything I can about your business, you know, more than just about the outreach or more than just about, you know, this specific thing. And I'm going to give you all of my thoughts and feedback for your business and the plan of what I think is going to be a good fit for this outreach campaign that we may do together. And so Basically, I'm giving them all of my ideas and feedback and thoughts for their business and not just planning the project. And so that way, you know, I'm like, I tell them if you get one client out of this, if you know, if you get one big, you know, takeaway from this, it's going to make the whole thing worth it. And so switching it that way to where it's broader and it's obviously valuable to the client, even if they don't hire me for the end project afterward. Uh, has made it way easier. And I even I even sell quite a few discoveries now with people that never plan implementation and just want that kind of like consultative feedback uh, process. Nice. I like that. So that is something I want to implement actually right away because I think I've been running into that because I just, just recently started doing this. Typically, the process was, I'm sure you're familiar with it, where it's like, let's spend you know weeks or months kind of like going back and forth. And then it's one big project fee. Um, when you finally sign, which is just like terribly ineffective. And then the scope of work inevitably changes because mm -hmm. like they're so broad, right? So I have, I, I think it's totally necessary to actually plan out at the outset. 
But I think that's it. You hit the nail on the head. The idea of actual paid discovery, like the discovery process doesn't actually make sense for a lot of clients or they don't think it makes sense for them. So it sounds like this, this idea of going through the sales teardown a strategy blueprint, like coming at it from a different perspective, that kind of changes their perspective on it, would you say? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And it's just saying that, you know, I'm just going to give you all these ideas. You can, you can actually implement on these on your own. It's all, it's not just, you know, paying me to build this, but it's actually, I'm going to try to just give you any ideas on how to optimize this, you know, for, so for like the stuff you're doing, if you're going to do a, a book launch or an online event for a client, it, you know, maybe more than just, you know, giving them the plan for that book launch, which they may struggle to implement on their own, but saying, oh, hey, here's these other things in your site or your online funnel that might, uh, you might want to fix right now or anyway to um, help optimize what you're already doing or just these are some tweaks or optimizations you can make to what you're already doing. And those subtle tweaks and like optimizing is where I see a lot of people get tons of value from that. Interesting. Now, when you get into this, um, do you typically hop on a call and have a presentation ready to go uh, before you, like before somebody actually says, oh yeah, let's pay for the discovery and then move forward? Like, what's your lead into that even? Yeah. So um, basically to, to the short I was saying, like how I actually sell that discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So basically I get them on a call. I start off, I do all my calls right now, which are about 30 minutes just because I get a lot of lead flow through. And so I try to just qualify someone to make sure they're actually going to be a good fit first. So we typically do a 30-minute call, and I don't typically make the sale on that first call. Normally, that's too fast unless they've been like nurtured and they've been a part of my email list for a long time. If it's at the end of the 30 minutes, basically that 30 minutes, I spend most of the time just asking them questions, learning about them qualifying if they're going to be a good fit. Uh, then we normally get on a second call, or sometimes I'll make this 60 minutes and just do it all in one call if, if I can tell from the email that they're a really good fit. But basically, I learn a ton about them. Um, I try to deliver some insights and some initial feedback and value in that call. So I'm actually just, even if they don't buy from me, they walk away with something and have that positive feeling and they don't think they just got sold for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I always kind of ask a bunch of questions. I've got my hand standard ones that I go through, which help me kind of understand. And then I typically end it with, okay, well, is there anything else that I should know or I can share a bit more about how we could work together? Um, and that's kind of the question. And, you know, and sometimes I have to ask that like three times because they just keep adding uh, stuff. At that point, you know, I'll say, okay, well, here is what I think I can do. I have this kind of process. It's called discovery. Here's how it works, blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of take them through that entire sales pitch in our, or just kind of outline the service. And then I ask, okay, does that sound like it would be a good fitting uh, process for you. And I don't give them the price or anything yet, but I want to make sure that like they understand what I'm proposing with Discovery and that they are in agreement that this is a good route forward and would be beneficial to them. Because sometimes people don't understand quite what you're saying or what you're trying to offer. So just getting clear on that, making sure you're aligned. And only then once you've got them aligned and they're in agreement that this is a good route forward and this makes sense for them, then that's actually when I put out the pricing and everything for it. And do you do all this on the call? Yep, do all this on the phone call. Like I said, if uh, sometimes it's a 30-minute phone call and then I'll do a 60-minute or sometimes I just do a 60-minute up front if it's very clear from the email that they're a qualified lead. So, Got it. Interesting. Well, this is really good stuff. I'm excited to, to test some of this stuff out. So at the end of that, though, what you have is like a full plan for them. And at that point, it's actually you actually come to them with specifics too, like what the plan would be, what it would probably cost to implement, all those kind of things, right? So that is a big benefit to the company or whoever's going to hire you. 
Yeah, so they walk away from it all with basically like a plan of saying, hey, these are the things you can do. These are the tactics. These are this is what the outreach campaign will look like. And then also, again, I have a whole section in there on optimization, which I'm just saying because I look at in my for my process, I'm saying, OK, I'm going to look at is there any holes in your sales process? You know, a mm. lot of times literally what I'm just talking about, I'm trying to help companies say, OK, you need to start implementing some sort of discovery because if you're selling the wrong way, then that's going to be hurting or may say like your proposals are could be improved or the way you're closing or something like that. So I I have this whole optimization section as well, which also tends to be really valuable for people. That's interesting. Okay, cool. So okay, so so moving beyond this, that's a really fascinating look at, at kind of what you do and how you do it. When when you then run this, what's your typical like length of uh, consulting client? Like how long are you working with these these companies for and these these individuals? Yeah, so when I do the sales teardown, it's pretty simple of just 90-minute call, I send over this whole feedback document. We have another 90-minute call to go over that. And then I kind of shell that up into just like a, a feedback and actual execution plan. So that's kind of just the initial discovery project. And then out of that, again, uh, I, I, when I do sign on with a client, I typically do about a six-month engagement with someone where um, you know I'm actually helping them implement one of these campaigns longer term or building their sales team or whatever that could look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, typically what a, uh, an engagement looks like. I've had, I have some clients that have been with me over a year now, but it's, you know, typically about six months. And I, I try to go into it with the mindset of, I want to get you to a point where you don't need me anymore because I don't want to be kind of consulting and with them forever. I want to get them to a point where they can level off and then go off on their own to have those capabilities built in house. So that's kind of my, my mindset and goal with clients. Okay. That's interesting. Do you let them know that? Like, is that? A value proposition for them? Uh, it's something that I just kind of try to share that, uh, again, I, I think that's a difference between, I guess, a solo consultant like myself and an agency. I think if a solo consultant ever, I think that's actually where a lot of solo consultants kind of mess up is where they go into it and they try to pretend that they're going to be with this company forever. And realistically, as one person, you're going to change and grow and evolve and you may not even want to be working with this client in a couple of years. So, I go into it and I kind of set that expectation. If, you know, if someone actually runs an agency or something, then like they want that client forever because that's how agencies work. But um, I try to go into it and just leave them in a better spot than when I started. I like that. That's interesting. And so this is different than when you were running your agency before, right? So like you, you see that there's a, definitely a difference between what you're doing now and kind of the agency model. And what, what other differences do you see between kind of like what you're doing now, what you were doing before? What are you, in your opinion, like what are the pros and cons between kind of being more solo consultant versus running an agency. Yeah, I mean, there's um, definitely some pros and cons. I love the nimbleness of being solo, and that's why I um, do this now is I can just kind of define my schedule. I don't I don't particularly love managing people or anything along those lines. And so for me, the consulting angle is a great, wonderful spot to be. It's It lets me just kind of really more for being more agile than I used to be. Whenever I had the bigger agency, I had a partner and we had employees, which meant that, you know, at, I, at one point we had about $40,000 in monthly overhead and that's very stressful. <laughs> so, um, you know, to make those sales and continue to make sure that the agency could always, um, you know, pay those people and everything. So I really am just a fan of the solo consulting model, but um, for some businesses, it just makes sense to grow. But I just prefer to, to operate nimbly at this point. Where do you think this goes in the future? And this is why I asked because I totally like respect and value everything you just said. It's 
I get it. Like I understand the pain points and I mean, what you described is like very appealing. I probably for anybody who's running an agency is like, yeah, man, it's like that overhead is tough to maintain, uh, you know, and it's like, there's, you know, probably this compulsion for a lot of people who are doing that kind of stuff to move to something that is more nimble as you described as like solo consulting. I guess my question is this, you know, with an agency, hypothetically, I guess you could sell it at the end, right? It's like that e-myth revisited type thing. You know, you build a company and then you sell it. But when you're doing solo consulting, you can't sell yourself, so to speak. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that and like, where does this go for, like moving into the future? Do you do you look at it as building a business or more just like, hey, you enjoy this, you're good at it, you can make money from it so it's profitable and it's a lifestyle choice kind of thing or what, what's, your, what's your feeling on this? Yeah, so it, it has definitely evolved my perspective on it over time. I used to want to actually be a kind of a lot more on the line of where I think you're at, which is where you're writing all these books. Mm -hmm. um, you're creating a lot of this information and you're putting this out there and almost kind of scaling or growing in mm -hmm. that sense. Mm -hmm. And I just, guess I've just kind of changed or so um, in the past year or so, just as I've kind of grown. And I realized that that actually wasn't as important for me to have an audience as important for me to um, you know, write these, all these books and share all this information and everything. So for me, that became less of a motivator. I'm still getting, um, still putting out a book soon and getting that out there, but it's less of a driver for me than it used to be. And so what I've ultimately started shifting to is saying, okay, what I really ultimately, my goal and what I want is to not have to work much to have income. And so that way I can really pick and choose what I want to work on. Or if I don't want to work, I don't have to work for a while and I can literally go off for six months and do an amazing trip or something. And so consulting doesn't really let me do that. Um, it lets me make great money, which I'm happy about. But um, if I stop working, then I also do stop earning money. So for me, the way I look at it is consulting is now my baseline and it's my stable thing and that's going to keep growing. And I know my income will consistently grow as I get better over time and I get better clients over time. But for me, ultimately, in addition to that, I'm always going to be testing out or running these little side projects on the side. So this book will be one of them. Um, we were chatting just before the episode about agencyscout.co, which is another business I'm launching, which would be able to, again, run without me at some point. Yep. And I've got other ideas up in the works as well. But I look at it as Consulting is almost that safe baseline that yeah. gives me that freedom and flexibility to launch other businesses. I love it, man. Uh, very keen insight and I like it because I think a lot of people get driven into things that maybe they didn't intend to do or they didn't intend for it to manifest the way it has. And I think there's al alternatives out there, alternative paths to you know, not being financially free and then also securing that, that financial or having that financial security into the future. And it doesn't have to be necessarily just build a business, sell it kind of thing. I think there's just what you described as one one great example of an alternate path that could be the right choice for a lot of people who are listening if they're considering it, especially if they're kind of, you know, they have some sort of expertise or knowledge that is actually something that can, you know, make money for other companies or businesses or help other people in some way, shape or form or solve some sort of problem. So I love that. So tell me a little bit about this company now that you're building, the Agency Scout. Like what's, what is it? And how are you planning to grow it? Because I think it's really fascinating. So I want the listeners to hear about it. Yeah. So Agency Scout started from this realization that I kept talking to so many agencies or doing these podcast interviews. Um, actually, I think one of the even people I spoke with that kind of spurred this idea was Matt Inglot, who I think introduced us. Good dude. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he was saying like it was he's one of the like many people who I've known. He's like, yeah, we don't take anything under ten grand, or we don't take anything under fifteen grand. Like that's just that's like the and they almost like people pride themselves in that because for an agency to get to a point where you're not doing those small little projects for a lot of people that's like a really great thing. Um, that's like a sign that they're working at a bigger, higher level. But I started realizing that there's all of these leads out there in the world that people are just turning away because they're not a right fit. I started thinking, okay, he's turning away a 10 grand lead and I've got this other guy over here who would just like die for that 10 grand lead. And so basically the whole idea with agency scout is to go to these, you know, bigger, more established agencies and software development companies and say, okay, whenever you guys get a lead, that's not a right fit for you. You introduce it to agency scout and we're going to take that lead and we're going to go find three people who it is a right fit for. So that way that person has actually some options to choose from that are a right fit. And then those three people we introduce from, if one of those gets hired, uh, we basically take a finder's fee from them for placing that deal with them. And then we give 50% of that finder's fee we collect back to the company that supplied the lead to us. So it's kind of we act as this intermediary to basically, you know, if you get a lead and you don't have someone to refer that to, you send it to us and we're going to go place it and take a finder's fee and give you half. I love it. Well, what's your path forward? How are you intending to kind of get this off the ground? Like what's going to be your first step or, or what, what do you see as like the, the main milestones that you have to hit to get, get this to a way? Because I, I mean, I think the vision's there. I think it's pretty clear. In my case, there's definitely people I don't have the bandwidth to support in any capacity. And I'd be happy to send them somewhere else. And a lot of times I do if I know that I, I have somebody else in my network who can do a good job. So having some one-stop shop to just send all referrals is really compelling for me as a service provider, especially if I get a cut of anybody I send your way or something like that, if that's like the model. But I'm curious for you guys, what what have you set as your objectives or milestones did you have to hit to say, yeah, we can, you know, we can make this profitable? Yeah. So the the first big thing in my mind was when I looked at this business, I was like, this this 100% first of all relies on leads. Like the whole business is basically we need lead flow coming through because that's how we're actually going to make money. So that was kind of step one. And so, you know, I've, I've slowly been experimenting with this and I kind of tested this out there to um, a few people in the industry. And I basically started kind of doing a few placements and everything over the past six months, just kind of beta testing it. And it worked really well. And I had people that were really happy. The clients who actually hired people for the projects were really happy. It just all around, it was really great. So I kind of first validated that initial piece of it. And then the next thing was lead flow. And so what I went out there and I, I've just, I've been, again, trying to be very focused with this and not get too distracted from that baseline of consulting. So it's been a matter of finding that balance. Um, but instead of, you know, going out and just launching this massive campaign and trying to get everybody, I just went after a few key people in my network who I knew had a lot of leads like this that they could send my way. And just, you know, recently signed on, I guess, what the first really big deal of this is where I'll be getting at least a good 20 leads or so per month of anything under $30,000 from this agency. So that's like the first big, I guess, you know, flow of leads that'll be coming through. And so now that I've got that, it's a matter of, okay, I need to build up a qualified partner network because that's the other big thing is, you know, anyone that's going to refer, you know, whenever you refer your, your reputation's on the line a bit, you don't want to end up hiring someone who's, you know, if you refer and it ends up being a terrible outcome that looks bad on you for making that intro. So the next thing I'm needing to do is really continue to build up my referral network. Uh, I've got a ton of people in my network already from 
working in this agency and freelancer space already, but I know as more and more leads come through, I'm going to need to grow that network, um, find more people, check references, and actually make sure that we have really qualified people to network on that. That's awesome. Do you have like specific dates in mind of where you want to hit these milestones? I'm just curious like how aggressive you are moving toward this. Yeah. Um, that's the wonderful thing about this being on the side for right now is that I'm, I'm taking it slow. Um, yep. I've in past businesses, I always just kind of like got really crazy and just dove straight in. And at this point I'm just like, okay, let's build this slowly and methodically. We're going to, you know, make small steps and actions toward each week, but I'm not trying to hit any major milestones. I'm just trying to say, okay, can we continue to validate this? Can we continue to prove that this works? Can we get revenue going through? And then can we build that up in like a slow and sustainable way? I'm not trying to make a, you know, a million dollars overnight or something. You know, if this takes me a year or year and a half to build up, that's totally fine with me. So I'm totally just taking it slow and just building it up step by step here. Got it. I love it. Well, Jake, thank you for all the time you've spent with us today. I think these are some really great insights. I want people to check out agencyscout.co. Check it out. Um, I know you'll probably be sharing more about it. So another place to find you, I believe, is outboundcreative.com. But is there any other place where people can find you, reach out to you, connect with you? And uh, and then is there any other place or product that you want to point people to? Yeah. Uh, the other big website for me is just jake-jorgevin.com. That's where I've got my own blog and podcast. So I've also got a podcast called Working Without Pants, where I interview agency owners and consulting type companies every week. And talk pretty much mainly about how to win new clients for uh, agencies and consulting businesses. So um, yeah, workingwithoutpants.com would be the, the website for that as well. Fantastic. Well, Jake, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on here, Tom. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.